Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hi guys, and welcome to a new episode of Uni Therapy Podcast. My name is Kat, and I am the host. And per usual, I like to remind everybody from the beginning that although I'm a therapist, the podcast is called Uni Therapy, and I'm a big believer of therapy in general. This podcast does not serve as a replacement or a substitute for actual mental health services. However, it still at the same time can help you on whatever road you are currently driving down. So today is an exciting day because it always is an exciting day here, but it's an exciting day for a different reason because this is the last new episode of 2022 and it's actually the last new Monday episode of 2022 because we'll be putting out a brand new Couch Talks on Wednesday because it is the three-year anniversary of the podcast on Wednesday, which is so wild. But today is the last Monday episode or new episode. We'll still play episodes throughout the year. We never don't release episodes. They just might be ones that maybe are our favorites from years past. So you guys get to have a little refresher on some of the things that we've talked about before on here, which doesn't hurt. And at the same time, I'm very aware that there are some people that this might be their first episode ever. And it's helpful to just kind of get a dose of something good from the past. So you don't feel like you have missed out because we don't want anybody to feel like they've missed out on this podcast. So today, I wanted to do something special in celebration of the end of the year and the beginning of a new year. And personally, each year what I do, and I've done this maybe, I don't know, for four or five years, at the end of each year, I like to write a letter to myself. And it's to that year's version of myself, just to process what I went through and experienced and learned. And it also is just kind of cool to look back I'm not very good at journaling regularly, so this helps just have a little highlights of the highs and lows of years past, and it's just been really cool and helpful um, to see where I've come from and to see where I've been and what has changed. And this year, like the last couple years, it's included some things that I've learned from the podcast, both about myself and just the world in general. And I know that some of y'all look at me like I'm teaching you guys all the time. But what I want everybody to know that I also learn while I'm interviewing guests. And I also learn while I'm just creating content and being a person who is putting stuff out there. I learn about myself in the world through that way as well. And sometimes the learning is really fun. And sometimes the learning is very uncomfortable and very cringy and very humbling. And if anything, this year has definitely taught me 
how to be much more graceful when making judgments of other people, specifically of other people's podcasts and other people's content that they put out into the world. There is a lot that goes in to creating a podcast in general. That's what I can speak to. Although in theory, it sounds pretty easy and it shouldn't take much time or maybe energy. But in actuality, there are so many hours that go into every episode. And sometimes I get in the space where I'm I'm like, why do I keep doing this? Whether it's because I'm getting uncomfortable or I feel some kind of pressure or I just am stressed because I have a lot to do. And then I ask myself, like, what's the point? But, but then I get reminded what the point is by messages that you guys send me or emails that I get or a couple times being stopped on the greenway when I'm taking a walk down the road from my house. And all of those kinds of reminders are so helpful for me because sometimes when you guys tell me what you've learned or something that you've gotten out of the podcast, it comes from something that I thought nobody would like or nobody would get anything out of. And it just, again, is a reminder that sometimes I don't, I mean, a lot of times I don't know what other people need, but I know what's inside of my body that I want to talk about and it can help people whether or not I think people need the help or not. So anyway, that's one of the things that I kind of process through this year as I was doing this. I also, um, this year has been a big year for me to learn more about how to stay true to myself and learn more about how to be very conscious about the why behind my what. I had to sit with some sacrifices that came with choosing integrity and authenticity, which were frustrating at the same time. I, of course, want to choose that integrity and authenticity, but it's not always easy. And so I had some lessons around that through the podcast. And um, I had to remind myself what actually brings me fulfillment versus what kind of society tells me I will be fulfilled by. And I can get confused with that sometimes. It's hard. It's all around us. Those messages that this will bring you joy and this will bring you joy and this will make you happy. And then you think about how you would have to go about getting those things. And would that actually make you happy? Or is that kind of just like one of those excitement for the moment and then it fades and then you're stuck with the fact that you did something that was outside of your character and that's actually not what you want to do. So I learned a lot about that. And I also, one of the big things I learned is how important, and this one is was big for me in an unexpected way, but I learned more about how important it is to have the feedback of other people and how my way isn't always the best way and how that feedback, when I'm struggling with that um, dissonance between my way and, and what other people think I should do or all of that, that feedback is important even when I don't agree with it. You know, we all need some accountability in our lives and we can't just all kind of be running by the things running through our head because we miss out on a lot of information and trails of thought that our brains just naturally wouldn't take us down. So I learned a lot about that. And I say all this because I was thinking about all of this stuff as I was preparing to write my letter for 2022, which is not complete yet, but I was jotting down on my notes and looking at the things that were the big highs and lows. And I was taking into account the best and worst podcast moments I had this year. And I thought that it would be really cool to end the year doing something fun with some of those moments. And I wanted to, this week, highlight my top three favorite moments of the show. And I picked each moment for a different reason. And they're all things that I hope I never forget. And again, for different reasons. One of them was a reality check. One of them, one of these moments validated something that I I didn't even know I needed to be validated. And it was really meaningful and important to me. And then uh, one of them is just a joyful moment and a really good core memory of mine. And if you haven't listened to the entire episodes of these three clips, one, you don't have to listen to the whole episode to actually get the part that I'm sharing with you for it to be meaningful. But also, if you haven't listened to the episode, or maybe if you have, but it's been a while, I really want to recommend you guys go back and, and listen to those. I'm going to put the links of each of those shows in the show notes. So you don't have to search for them. You can just go actually click on them because these episodes were three of my favorite episodes in general. And there was so much to pick from them. I picked each of these moments for a specific reason. I'm going to talk about that. But I just want to encourage you guys to go back and listen to those because just because it's an older episode, it doesn't mean it's not valuable and worthy. A lot of these episodes are what I would like to call timeless. 
Although I say timeless at the same time, going back and listening to some of these episodes, I'm like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have said that. Or I wish it, and that's all part of the learning process that I have creating this podcast and then putting my talking into the world for everybody to see and hear and make judgments on. And I make those judgments myself. Anyway, that's not important. So that's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through some of my favorite moments. And I hope that they are as meaningful to you as they are for me. It might be meaningful for different reasons. But uh, let's get into my top three favorite moments of the podcast from 2022. Here's number one. Okay, so my first favorite moment was a big reality check for me. Um, It comes from the episode that I did with Shauna Nequist. And what's so funny about this episode, I don't know if I've talked about this, maybe I have, but I was so nervous before this episode because Shauna Nequist is a big deal to me in my eyes. And I was like, wait a second, how am I getting to talk to her? This is so crazy. Of course, all this imposter syndrome stuff comes in. Like, what if it's awkward? What if I mess up? All this stuff. So you guys hear one version of me on the podcast, but I just want you to know, like sometimes I'm internally freaking out and I have to actually do some anxiety um, reducing and coping exercises myself. But before this episode, I had texted my boyfriend and said, remind me the next time I try to schedule another interview with somebody that I don't know that I hate doing this and I don't want to do it anymore. And then afterwards I texted him, Oh my gosh, that was amazing. I have to do these more often. And he just kind of laughed, but I just thought that is so funny. It reminds me of this story that I heard a speaker tell years ago at a conference. And he talked about how, I mean, he was a, he's a public speaker He talked about how when he started public speaking, he would get so anxious to the point he would get sick. He would throw up, he would be pacing, his heart would be racing, and he wouldn't be able to sleep. And somebody said to him, if this causes you this much stress and anxiety, then why do you keep doing it? Why why don't you just stop? Like, do something else. And he said, the only thing that would be worse than the feeling I get before I have to give one of these talks would be is if I never give one of these talks again. And that stuck with me because a lot of times when we get scared or nervous or anxious about things, we say, oh, we shouldn't do this. But in reality, the only thing worse about doing these interviews would be as if I never got to do these interviews. I always get something out of them, no matter no matter if it's a horrible interview and I don't ever even actually post the conversation or if it's an amazing one I always or if it's a mediocre one I get something out of every single one of them and so yeah the only thing that would be worse about me freaking out if I have to do another interview with somebody that I think is really important would be if I don't get to do that again so that's not why I picked this clip but that's just a little behind the scenes of that actual episode and interview that I did but my favorite part of this conversation was Well, I want to say the whole thing, but there was this one part that stood out to me and continues to stand out over and over. And it, I think it does because this year challenged me and my ability to have calm and fruitful conversations with people in my life rather than debates. And I think a lot of people can probably relate to that specifically from things that have happened this summer. And I found myself getting so frustrated and so upset with the views of some people even in my own small community of friends and family, not even just like community of Nashville. And what's funny about this situation is Sean and I were not even talking about this specific thing. When I asked a question, I asked, I asked a question about what happens when somebody disagrees with my outlook on being okay with not having it all figured out. Like what happens if somebody disagrees with that and thinks that I'm stupid or um, silly or that's a cop out. And what she said pleasantly surprised me in a way that I wasn't expecting because it took my mind to a whole that whole thing that I just was talking about of how I've been kind of having some difficulty she spoke to something that I really needed to hear and has been so helpful for me as I continue to have conversations with people that disagree with with me for a million different reasons it's not just politically it's not just about how I view myself it's not just about um, what I think about this singer's song or this person's album it's what she said has impacted how I have conversations in my personal life 
with just about anyone or anything um, when it comes to disagreements. Now, am I perfect? No, I still get very heated sometimes and forget to use some of this feedback and advice that she gave me. But I want you guys to hear it. And I want you guys to think about how it might impact you and how it might impact the conversations and the fruitfulness of those conversations that you may have in your future. So here is the clip. Asking for help is a failure. It's a way of respecting what you don't know and what someone else does. And, and it's a way of esteeming the work they've done, right? Like if someone, if the situation's flipped and a fellow therapist reaches out to you and says like, Hey, I know this, this, and this, like the back of my hand, but I actually don't know eating disorder stuff that well, I've got this particular situation. Could you walk me through a handful of these like principles or ideas? You'd be like, thank you. Thank you for tapping into my area of expertise. I think that curiosity and humility, it doesn't just enrich our own lives. It enriches the people around us because it gives them a chance to be experts in the things that they genuinely are experts at. That's really esteeming. Yeah. I mean, using the word respect too, it's like, yeah, I do feel so grateful when people do that because I don't want people to pretend like they're experts in treating eating disorders because it is so nuanced. So yeah, I I want us to be able to do that. But I wonder like, what is it that like the world, majority of the world needs to learn or as our culture, what needs to shift for like this to be like a general, okay thing? Because I am agreeing with you totally. Like I want to live in this space where like, it's okay to not know. And I want to live in this space where I don't have to be an expert in everything. And I want to live in a space where if I mess up, that's okay. And I want to live in that space, but I can live in that space in my bubble and the people that I surround myself with. I guess my fear is like, I feel like once I get outside of my bubble, is the world going to accept that? And what happens if somebody does tell me I'm dumb? Well, I would say a couple things. I would say we have lived for a long time culturally, like the modern era as one of the markers of the modern era is certainty, right? Things are knowable and I know them and I have an answer. And we've really put a lot of stock on right thoughts and right believing. And like that hasn't gone great. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. when I look at uh, like the the level of political discourse, it's we're not doing great. We we told people organize your certainties in a particular order and then affiliate with these people and then scream at everybody else from your answer position, right? Like yeah. it's not working. And so I think if those of us who feel comfortable enough and brave enough to admit that there's nuance and and uncertainty and possibility to be curious. I think we're the people who can lead the way at like breaking up some of that really like brittle, fragile certainty. Um, One of the things that I love, Adam Grant writes a lot about this and think again and on his podcast, but talks a lot about the, the importance of curiosity in terms of lowering people's defenses in really high pitched conversations, right? Like, of course, there are situations where I would like to scream my certainties across the table at someone, but not if I want to change their mind. And not if I really want us to learn from each other, the way to do that is with questions, right? And with listening. And so if, if there's a group of us who are brave enough and grounded enough to be curious as opposed to certain, we can start to thaw that brittleness and that like sort of frozen stuckness. I really believe that that can change things in our culture. Hey guys, Kat here. And I have something very important to talk to you guys about. Now, I know you're used to hearing me talk about therapy and how important it can be for you and how transformative it can be for you in your life. But if you're somebody who's tried therapy and it just hasn't done the trick, or you just need a little extra boost, I think I've found the next best thing. And the next best thing might just be Cozy Earth and their bamboo sheets and their bamboo pajamas. It feels like you are stepping into a buttery, cozy, warm, and cool hug all at the same time. And that's just their pajamas. Don't even get me started on their sheets. As soon as I touched them, I said, okay, we're changing the sheets right now. And the bonus is they come in this really cute travel tote so you can take your sheets with you wherever you go. 
Elevate your summer getaway with Cozy Earth's luxurious bedding and loungewear, ensuring the comfort of home wherever you roam. We're all in luck because you can discover your next destination for ultimate comfort at Cozy Earth. Visit CozyEarth.com and use our code UNEED at checkout to get 35% off. Yes, 35% off. And let them know that we sent you You Need Therapy after you check out. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Okay, so now for my favorite part of the podcast. My, these aren't in order. I want to say my second favorite, but this is just another favorite part of the podcast. I didn't rank these, but I don't really think I can rank these. But anyway, so this one I picked because this was a piece of validation that I felt deep in my core that I did not know that I was looking for. And it comes from my interview with Aaron Lane, who wrote the book, Someone Other Than a Mother. I highly recommend this book for all people because it's really helpful for people who either don't want kids, don't know if they want kids, but it's also helpful for people that have kids and people who have wanted to have kids because it offers some understanding around how maybe other people think differently than you and other people's lives are created to be different than yours. And it gives you some understanding that can impact how you interact with people that are different than you, which even speaks to the clip that we played from Shauna as well. But anyway, I was very excited to talk to Aaron, like very excited about this interview, but I did not prepare for how much she was going to say things that I needed to hear that I had no idea that I needed to hear. So I guess I couldn't have prepared for it. In this episode, what Aaron and I talk about are the motherhood scripts that we grew up with that push an agenda that being a biological mom is the best thing to do and it's the right way to live. And some of you may not relate to this, relate to how some people feel like those scripts have been damaging. But what I want everybody to look at and approach this specific clip and um, episode as a whole with is a openness to understand how scripts in general can alter how we feel and our view of our lives, even if in the core of us, we know they, they don't really fit and it doesn't feel right. And what I feel specifically these scripts, they, they push people to engage in something that they are pissed like to call shooting on ourselves. I should do this, or I should say this, or I should look like this, or I should want this, or I should have said that. And it's very damaging and it, it can feel, it can make somebody feel crazy and it can make somebody feel really horrible about themselves, even if they are wonderful human beings. And it's important to look at and what I learned from Aaron in this episode and specifically this clip, it is so important to look at why a script may exist. And Aaron drops a huge bomb of knowledge in this clip here. As I started to get curious about the idea that women are seen as selfish if they don't have children and being selfish then in that way is bad. And it leads her to explain more behind some of the creation of these scripts and, and why they even exist in the beginning. And so what it did for me is it it validated something for me as a human that is in her 30s and doesn't have kids. It validated something that I didn't know I needed validated. But it also opened my eyes to be more curious about the things that I believe that I should do when I don't know if those are things I want to do. So I hope that everybody can look at this clip through kind of that lens. And here it is. More and more now you'll see women having these careers and going after things that they've never been able to go after and all that. 
And there's also this fight of like, do I have to choose one? But I don't see that now. I don't study this, but I don't see that with men as much. It's like they can have that career and then they can also have kids if they want. But I wonder from your perspective why there's such a like, you'll never know a love like a mother's love, but it doesn't feel as strong that like you'll never know a love like a father's love. And maybe that's because I'm not on that side of the spectrum, but that seems uneven to me. Well, two, two things that I notice. Uh, in regards to the conversation about mother and father love. One, I do write a little bit about um, how both mothers and fathers are putting in more hours, working mothers and fathers are putting in more hours at home and at work than ever before. And so you are seeing a rise in fathers saying that parenting is very important to their identity. It's like one percentage point different than mothers in one of the polls I looked at. And so you're seeing as women more and more find their identity in their work, you are seeing men kind of have a a related intensification of their identity in the home. What's completely overwhelming about that is no one is decreasing their hours anywhere. So there's just this idea uh, more and more, this very capitalist idea that more is better, that you can have it all and that limits are limiting and you shouldn't limit your commitment to work or home based on your own energetic capacities, based on what kind of money you need to um, live well and live healthily. There's just, um, in some ways, the the breakthrough we've seen in uh, a wider gender normative expression in parenting hasn't been met with a narrowing of, okay, if I do want to be more involved at home, or I do want to be more involved in work, what am I going to say no to, to say yes, that we still are very phobic to do it, apparently. Well, I see this in a couple, I have a, um, a couple of people in my life who are, who are men who actually take on the more traditional stay at home with the kids role. And there's a lot of shame in that, that has to be worked yeah. through. And that's like, for me, I wish it wasn't that way, but hopefully we'll shift that as conversations like this might happen. But I think from, I can speak because I am on this side of things it does feel like, well, what am I going to have to sacrifice to have kids, which in my head, I just almost said, which is another question. I almost just said, what am I going to sacrifice to have a family, which we'll get to because in my head, a family would be children, right? So what am I going to sacrifice? I don't know that I want to sacrifice anything, at least right now. And so does that make me selfish? And is that bad? Does that make me a bad Christian? Am I hurting society or am I helping society? I mean, there's so much, there's so many questions in that when like, why can't it just be like, well, what feels true to you? And I think maybe it's like when people don't know what feels true to them because they've been told certain things. Yeah, but they've also been told that, that parenting is something that's going to happen in addition to whatever else you do. So they don't end up sitting down, right, to discern parenting because they just think I'm gonna do X, Y, and Z and I will also parent alongside it. And that's, I mean, that's what I see happening with a lot of folks is that like parenting is like this inevitable additive to your life, but it's a gigantic additive that actually, to your point, yeah, changes your commitments to other things in your life and makes those commitments harder to singularly focus on. And, and I talk about this in the chapter on motherhood is the toughest job in the world how there are a lot of women, and this is an interesting t- statistic, who believe that their calling is to serve the world and that they actually can't serve the world if they are also serving children under their own roof. And so actually, the more likely a woman is to want to provide social value in her work, the less likely it sh- she is to become a mother. So the more you kind of see your calling as loving the world, the less likely you are to become a biological mother. And there are researchers who are like, well, that, that shouldn't have to be the case. And I'm like, I agree. It doesn't have to be the case. And we also, again, should be very clear about the trade-offs of a multi-hyphenate life. And they are many. And again, going back to this idea that Americans in particular think limits are limiting, I think limits are how love multiplies. And so I think when we are limited, that's when the good stuff comes. 
when we are limited, like that's when we're able to see like the weird wonky group project of life. Yeah. When I'm not trying to do it all, that goes back to like simple things that maybe we don't apply to our lives as much as we should is like, if you're trying to do everything, you're going to be giving like 20% to all those things. And if you want to give like a, like a more of your energy to one thing and do it really well, you can't do it all. But right. I, it's, it's confusing because I don't know that this is so much a mother script, but I grew up with these two conflicting ideas of you can be whatever you want to be, which I don't think is true. Um, you can be whatever, <laughs> you can be whatever you want to be. And you can have whatever, like go have it all. Like if you want it all, go have mm-hmm. it all kind of like American dream kind of stuff. And then also that idea of you can't do it all. And if you want to do something well, you have to choose and focus on that. Like, I think I got those two things constantly. I think I still see those two things constantly. And that is so confusing because it's like, wait a second, which one do I choose? Or am I supposed to choose both? And then going back to you saying like, limits are actually really helpful. Like when you feel like you are limited in the things that you can do, that is what kind of grounds you and creates boundaries. So those things are done well and you can enjoy them. Yes. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a low capacity woman, but like, I'm always thinking about, okay, I've got two good hours in every day. Yeah. What do I know that I want to put them toward today? And it changes. And what do I know? We'll just have to get will have to get some like phoned in presence from me because I don't have limitless capacity. And I think that's one of the reasons I knew that biological parenting wasn't for me for many reasons. But one of them being, I really love my bodily autonomy and really love and desire like to steward my energy well. And it is hard enough for me to do that when I'm just taking care of me and this body. And I don't, it, you know, I don't experience shame over that. That feels like saying I have blonde hair. Like I just know this about myself. Um, and so I'm going to move in the world with this knowledge that I love my bodily autonomy and I love myself enough to be faithful to the energetic limits I have which are many and plentiful. Can you speak to either your experience or experiences that you've heard through people that you've talked to about this idea? Because as you were saying that, I was thinking about this idea where going back to that piece of if you choose not to have biological children, then you are selfish. So a lot of times that's what I hear. Like I am choosing to be selfish by, which again, selfishness doesn't have to be a bad thing, but I'm choosing to be selfish by honoring this part of me that says, I don't want to have kids and I know that I am limited and these are the things I want to focus on. What is the, did you, was there any internal battle in you or have you heard through the people that you've talked to about the internal battle of, I have to now feel like I do these great big things because I'm choosing to be selfish and not have kids. So I have to do some great big social work and, and all of that. Because if I don't, then I'm just a selfish person that just wants to have fun and care about myself all the time. Does yes. that make sense? Yes. Oh, yeah, that okay. makes sense. There's so many directions <laughs> my brain wants to go. So uh, for me, this is not an equivalency, but I was thinking about this as I was writing the book that like no one tells me I'm selfish for like not also taking up marathon running. You know, like no one tells me I'm selfish for not like reading my way through all the great literature. And it got me thinking, what is it about this really big thing that if I took on would take up a huge portion of my time in life that for some reason, again, it's selfish not to add it to just add it to what I'm already doing. And so I started to get curious about like the strategy behind calling women who opt out of children selfish and, and learned this whole history about America in particular, when this language first took root, it was like early 20th century. Teddy Roosevelt gives this like infamous speech um, where he says, you know, if you don't have children, you are selfish. You are not doing your God-given duty and you are not doing your duty to this country. And I'm like, ooh, ooh. So selfish is a strategy of capitalism because in order for men who at that time were expanding from working on the family farm, working on the family home, this is when you start to see those like Victorian division of labor. Like men were going out of the house in the day to work in the factory or field 
women now needed to be motivated to stay home and make their home into a haven so that when those men came home, they could sort of comfort themselves that all of those like dirty, nasty things and competitive, aggressive things we did at work are now soothed by this feminine presence in the house. So this is all to say that in America, we told women we needed their unpaid selfless labor in order for men to go to work and be unfeeling. Women had to feel for their own home. And so like knowing that long history helps me to depersonalize now the selfish claims. I'm like, no, that's just a strategy. That's just a strategy of American exceptionalism because you want more taxpayers or you want to compel my, my labors that America is like the greatest and biggest and most competitive country. You also don't know what to do with me if you can't motivate me in this particular way. So there's something very dangerous, I think, to America and to capitalism for women that are not motivated by family and men who are not motivated by the work. So one of the most interesting things I found uh, in my research was that the most derided groups historically in the last hundred years have been child-free women and homeless men. And it's because both fail to provide what this country thinks it needs to survive, which is independent men and dependent women. Oh my God. So that's my little oh, selfish soapbox. My God. Is like, this isn't about me. When someone says this, this isn't about me. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Okay, and my third and final favorite clip and memory from the podcast comes from maybe, I think, the most fun episode that I've ever recorded, maybe ever. And this episode is the one that I did with one of my best friends, Jesse, where we talk about what we would consider red flags in any dating scenarios. Now, this whole episode, if you have not listened to this episode, you should just listen to it because I think it's fun. We listened to it back on our way home from a road trip and we just laughed the whole time because we thought it was funny. So I hope you think it's funny, but it was just a good episode that I think you can learn things from, but also it's entertaining for a whole different set of reasons than other of my episodes might be entertaining. But the whole episode's full of fun. And that's one of the ways that I think I've been able to remain positive and hopeful in my dating experiences throughout my life. I've had a lot of horrible times, a lot of sad times, a lot of hard times, but I also have a lot of good stories, a lot of good laughs, and a lot of like you can't even make this up moments. So in this episode, I I had Jesse tell my very favorite dating story of hers. And it's one of those stories for me that no matter how many times I make her tell it or I even tell it to people, it just keeps being funny. So to wrap up 2022, we're going to go out with a bang with my favorite bad date story ever from my episode that I did, Red Flags, Green Flags, and everything in between with Jesse Green. So here it is. If you listen to the show a lot, you might have heard me talk about my shitty date jar. <laughs> well, Jesse... Actually, the jar belonged to you. It's now in my position. Did you take it back? No. So when we lived together, this must have been 2019, 2018. Mm -hmm. I think we had just started using the dating apps. 
it was like it was the same time together we were in it yeah and uh, we just went on all these dates and they were really bad some of them were funny some of them were like i want to cry and so we created this jar that we would write all of our dating stories and put them in the jar because that actually helped alleviate the pain of it all so we could laugh about it and guys the jar's pretty full and i will say sometimes people it used to be displayed at my house and when people would come in they'd be like oh i have one like i have people's dates in my jar that i don't know who they are just i think it's nice kind of unites us all but while we're talking about the shitty date jar since jesse was a founding father of the jar would you like to tell my most favorite story it was early on in the dating app world in 2018 whenever we started Mm -hmm. this adventure i was committed to meeting a man met this man we chatted for a while he was really fun was this the first date that, that, that this you went was on our bit, first no, date. but was it your first dating app date it was one of no it was probably top five okay. like first five okay we chatted for a while he was very funny loved it love a funny guy love a funny guy and he's like what do you want to do for the date and i was like i'm pretty low-key so this man says let's go to the preds game which is high key not low-key not low-key i'm like i like to wear yoga pants and get coffee and really amp up date two so mm-hmm. no anyways I'm sober because I was doing a whole 30 at that time. (laughs) So he was very nervous and he got very drunk on our date, which is fine. Well, not getting very drunk, but like he kept going back for more. And he's like, do you want? No, I'm still not drinking. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Still hasn't changed in this three hour period. Also, Predators games are very long dates. Yeah. We also sat in a season ticket section where everyone knew everyone and knew we didn't belong. Yep. Anyways. He was very nervous. We didn't talk a ton. I remember texting y'all and I was like, guys, this is awkward. I don't know how this is going. I just need everybody in the world to know. I would never (laughs) agree to go. This is your red flag. You agree to things that are insane. I would never agree to go on a first date to a Predators game where you're stuck sitting next to the person for three hours and everybody around you knows you're on a first date because how do you have the conversation of like where did you grow up when i just i don't get it like i get so anxious about this of like what did you do I, and then if you wanted to leave you couldn't if you couldn't be like oh gosh i gotta go it's no it's, you persevered been, you sat the whole time right you ha- you but you have a sporting event to like just detract but you have from no your exit plan no i didn't okay. i was there i was committed it was long it was anyway fine. carry on so at the end after this man has had is like two for one he was coming back with like two drinks for himself at one time again not the worst but like not great when i'm like hey well, i'm drinking be, water to be clear it wasn't two for one <laughs> just... i guess the preds are never two for no. one. Oh, sweet buddy sweet me <laughs> like 15 dollar beers he came back with each oh yikes okay well at the end he was like do you want to drive home i said i don't think i have an option <laughs> yes give me your keys like you can't drive us home. <laughs> so if you live in Nashville and you've been out to a Preds game, you know, when you park in a parking garage, you basically live in the parking garage after the game. Mm-hmm. So how do you entertain yourself with a drunk man that you've just spent three hours with? That's not going well. You have nothing else to talk about. Nothing. We talked about everything. I could tell you his whole life story. I decided to play a game. And the game was, tell me, <laughs> this is my red flag. <laughs> this is another one of your red I said, well, we know so much about each other at this point. Why don't you go ahead and tell me the three worst things about you? (laughs) Pause for dramatic effect. But but in all seriousness, that's a funny question because it's like in an interview and somebody's like, okay, what are the qualities that... Or what are they asking? Yeah, interview? I don't yeah think what ever... are your weaknesses? It's yeah, like, well, right. you turn it into a strength, strength or whatever. I was I'm thinking, so organized. Seriously, I was thinking if he had asked me that, I would have said, well, my friends say I'm too kind or when I volunteer too much, it takes up too much of my time on the weekends or yes. I'm just too pretty. I would have said all of those things had he asked me. <laughs> I'm so pretty. It intimidates all my other friends. Uh, he did not go that route. He sat in he silence took it literally. for about a few minutes. And then do I have to say what he actually said? Yeah, that's the whole point of this, right? <laughs> so this man comes at me. The first thing, personality. <laughs> I think we're kidding still. So I laugh out loud. To the drunk man as I'm driving his massive pickup truck in a parking garage. And if you guys don't get why that is strange, it's because you're on a first date and it seems like on a first date, you're trying to sell your personality. Yeah. You're not like, I actually have uh, the worst personality that yeah. you could ever imagine. Well, the, then you just, he describes why it's bad. It's not like my personality is bad. Let me go on to the second one. It's like my personality is bad because <laughs> people, these, these are, this is why it's bad. And so I wasn't prepared for an actual answer. So I said, oh, okay, yeah, no, you're fine. It's great. 
Number two. How do you top number two? He like gave me some BS answer about work. He's like, well, people say I'm an asshole at work and I'm just too mean and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, also cool. not a great thing, <laughs> but okay. <laughs> and then when you can't top your personality being the worst thing about you or that you're an asshole. I want people to like guess in your head, actually like pause the podcast and send in what you think it is to my Instagram. DM yeah. me at cat.tafada. Oh. Give it a follow while you're there, maybe. Or at the pod, you can follow the podcast at Unit Therapy Podcast. What do you think the third thing was? His worst thing about him? It can't be his personality, or that he's a jerk at work. So he was so nice. He, that's weird to me too. Okay, so the worst, the third worst thing about him, he's a little gassy. What <laughs> <laughs> you said. It. Well, you cry if you don't say it that way, you know? Like, Imagine being trapped in a car. With a drunk man. With a drunk man who just told you that he's gassy on a first date. And then, I like that I said, imagine this. And you're like, yeah, I have to. Yeah. I, I replay it every time you make me tell the story, which is like my party trick for you. Hey, Jesse, tell everyone about your worst date. Which one, Catherine? You know the one. Every time. Um, it's fine. It's fine. But then, like he did his personality, he described the gassy situation as well. No, I didn't yeah. know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, is it the certain foods that make him gassy? I think it was. And yeah. he's like, you know, it happens to everyone. And I was like, bro, I'm not about to agree to that on first date. <laughs> like, hard pass. And then, guys, when it came, this is about red flags, not my dating life. But at this point, he said, what about you? What are your worst three things? And you don't, you can't follow up to my personality's bad and I'm really gassy. I'm too pretty. Right. So I had so to drink of, of the three worst things about myself. What did you, do you remember what they were? Yeah, I probably said, some people think I'm mean sometimes. Mm. <laughs> I'm just kidding. And then I probably lied and made up two other things because I didn't actually have. I, like I sweat a lot when I work out. I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what I said. I, I probably was like, people think. My, my hair, your hair. No, I don't. Okay. I didn't mean it like that. I like this. She has, she has beautiful hair, but just as somebody who lived with her, it gets everywhere. And this is why I'm single from now on. After this podcast, <laughs> I didn't mean it like that. No, I'm kidding. She it's actually fine. has great hair. I'm not overcompensating. It really is beautiful and thick. This <laughs> is getting awkward. <laughs> but I still find your hair. I just moved but it's before my I moved, gift. yeah it's like confetti every yeah it is like confetti it's, you'll never miss me right because i'll always have a piece of you everywhere mm-hmm. i go yeah you're welcome anyways uh, so he's happily married now good for him right you know good for him yeah, yeah. He, but here's the thing the reason we told you that story is because through dating apps i feel like we experience very strange dating experiences on a different level than people used to because we're meeting people from all over the place that we normally would never run into or have the chance to experience so there just are all kinds of characters out there also i will say this jesse is a very forgiving human being and she will give most people a second chance he asked me out again and i said yes but then he didn't you didn't what happened he said because <laughs> he sent that text he, on valentine's he, he day with the me rose. A text on Val- yeah he never followed through with a date, and then he sent you a happy Valentine's Day mm-hmm. text with the rose emoji, and it was like mm-hmm. two weeks later. And know? then he ghosted me. Yeah, and then he got married. <laughs> so there you have it, my favorite clips of Unit Therapy from 2022. Again, I will link these episodes in the show notes for y'all, so you can go and listen to them if you haven't listened to them or just want a little refresh. And thank you again for being a part of this community so I have reasons to keep making the podcast and then I have experiences that I continue to learn from and learn about both myself and the world so the next two weeks I will be taking a little bit of a break like I said in the beginning of the episodes we have one more new couch talks that will come out on Wednesday to celebrate the three-year anniversary of the Therapy Podcast And I want to give you guys a chance to send in your questions for that episode. So if you have questions that are maybe time sensitive, maybe about the end of the year, maybe about the beginning of a year, go ahead, send those. I will be recording that episode Tuesday afternoon. So if it is Friday and you're listening to this episode of the week that it came out, you are too late because CalTrucks already came out. But you can always send in a question no matter what to my email, Catherine at Uni Therapy Podcast, because 
Couch Talks comes out every single Wednesday. And so there will be more episodes where I will answer your questions in the future. But I did want to give you guys a little bit of a teaser. So if you have a question about the new year, you can send that in right now. And it might give you that little pressure that you need to send in the question that you maybe have been thinking about for a while. So after that, I'm going to take a little break. We're going to play some of my favorite episodes of all time. And then we'll be back with fresh content in the new year. Thank you guys again for being here, for listening, for allowing me to even have a space to create these favorite moments. And until Wednesday, I hope you have the day you need to have. You can follow me on Instagram at cat.defada and at Podcast. Bye. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.